Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. How are we today, family? Everybody doing all right? Man, it's so good to see each and every one of you. Can you believe we are to the month of June? It is hard to believe we're in those summer months. And we, we just appreciate so much each and every one of you being here, making it a priority to be in the house of God. It is, um, it's a special, special day. Um, let me just tell you about a couple of things that are coming up. So this coming Friday, if you have never been or experienced a summer night here at Victory Family Church, let me encourage you, put this on your calendar. Friday night at 6 o'clock, it'll be from 6 to 8 o'clock. If you've not been here, here's kind of what to expect. Expect this to turn into just a giant block party. So we actually get permission from the city to shut down the entire street that is south of the garage. And we have inflatables, we have food trucks, we have live music, we have all kinds of things that happen from 6 to 8 o'clock on Friday night. So if you have not experienced this, I challenge you, invite somebody. It is a fun night. Ask people that are around you that have been there. It is a great, great night. One other thing I just want to mention, um, I saw some something happened Wednesday night that just honestly really, really moved me. Um, we are a church that we, we believe in living to give, and we, are, we live to give. And Wednesday night, uh, if you weren't able to be a part of it, let me just kind of, kind of picture the scenario here. So we, as a church body, ended up making over 100,000 meals for children in Haiti. And this was between Chickasha, Newcastle, Norman, and Shawnee. So you had four tables in here, and you had four tables in there, and there was over right at 300 people that were in here and in there. And it was just amazing to see God working. Uh, if you were a part of that, I, we just want to, can you give yourselves a hand? It was just incredible to see what God was doing through that ministry. And just so you know this, I, I did not know this going into um, that outreach Wednesday night. What we accomplished was we were able to give 500 children from Haiti food for one entire year. And so that is the part that you played in that. So just incredible. I also today, I, I honor uh, our pastors, the pastors of this house, Pastor Matt and Julie. Uh, they are enjoying some well-deserved time off in, in Florida and Destin. Follow them on social media. It's kind of, it's so much fun to watch them and, and watch what they're doing, but love and appreciate them so much. Today we are continuing week number six of Philippians. Next week is actually going to be our finale, and I hope and pray, I know myself, I've been very, very challenged uh, by this series. I hope that you yourself has have also been challenged and that you're walking away with a greater level of appreciation for God's Word and a desire to read it for yourself. But today we're going to continue in Philippians. If you want to go and turn in your Bibles there, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the European city of Philippi. So we're going to be starting today in Philippians 4, chapter 4, starting in verse 2. And it reads this. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sancti to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Can we pray today? God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Father, I thank you for every person that is in this room. And Father, I just ask that in the next few moments, that this word would find its place in our heart, that God, you would challenge us. And God, that we would leave today different than when we walked into these doors. We ask all of this in your name. And everybody said... Amen. Let me ask you, kind of starting off, a question. Who in this room loves cruises? Who loves cruises? Yeah, we have a lot of cruisers. Let me tell you, me personally, we got a big one over here. Um, I personally, my, me and my wife have almost been married 11 years, and we have went on eight cruises in our marriage. That's how much we love cruises. In fact, we just booked another one last week. And there's a lot of different reasons why I love cruises. But the biggest one is this. You have to disconnect from everything. If you ever go on a cruise, you literally have... Now, you have the option to pay $100 for Wi-Fi. That's horrible. But... If you choose, you can literally, because once you get out there, there is nobody that can bother you. They can't email you. And if they can, you can't get it. So that is one of those things that for me personally, I think when I think of cruise, I think of peace because it is one of those times in my life that I can disconnect. However, I know that there's a lot of other people that are on the other side of this fence because I've had lots of conversations with people and I can automatically see when we start talking about cruises that all of a sudden the anxiety starts to happen. They start, man, I don't know. Once, once I get out in that open water and I can't see land anymore, it's over. And a lot of people think that, you know what, in these moments, that's how the perfect, perfect murder mystery story happens. You know, you get out there in the middle of the water, family vacation, first time out on the water, kind of just floating along. And then all of a sudden, da da. You start thinking about that, and then a hurricane comes, and then you have a mysterious killer on the loose. All these thoughts can start going through your mind, and I completely understand that. But let me ask you this. Does anyone remember the Carnival Triumph disaster from 2013? Anybody remember that? Halfway through a four-day Mexican cruise, the Triumph's engine room caught fire. The ship lost power, and then suddenly it was just drifting somewhere out in the Gulf of Mexico. A four-day trip immediately turned into an eight-day trip. There was reports of sewage spilling down the walls of the room, people being forced to sleep on the deck, the smell of unrefrigerated food. I couldn't imagine what was going on. But here in Oklahoma, I remember personally watching on the news channels, watching exactly what was happening. I remember helicopters flying over and showing pictures of people sleeping on the decks and everything because we're so connected as a world that you can literally see what is happening everywhere else. I remember a couple months ago when the Ukraine whole war started, I remember watching live video 
of tanks and things happening and missiles. Literally live video of things that were happening across our world. You see, that used to not be possible. What happened across the world stayed across the world. You had no idea. Or if you did, it would come days later by form of newspaper. Now if something happens across the world, not only do we know about it, but you can literally hop online and in a second, you can be watching live video of what's happening. You see, today our world is connected more than ever before. And while there are certainly benefits to being connected like that, I think that one of the side effects is a collective anxiousness that rules our society today. You see, I want to be clear as I start talking today. When I talk about anxiety today, I'm not talking about clinical anxiety disorders. I think often we are guilty of using cliche Christianese to speak to issues that are a deeper level of understanding that require the grace of God and sometimes just good therapy. When I talk about anxiety today, I'm talking about a collective anxiousness in our world that has been getting worse and worse and worse for a long, long time. And because of our greater level of connectedness as a body, no longer is the state of our soul impacted simply by the things that we experience, but by the collective experiences of the world that is around us. Every time you turn on the news, every time you open up Twitter, Facebook, any kind of social media, every time there's another tragedy, another disaster happened just this week, another school shooting. Everything is happening and it. What it does is it begins to shoot our anxiety through the roof. We live in a world in which peace feels impossible. And yet you cannot read scripture without sensing that peace is a reality that God invites us into. You see, Paul is writing this letter to the people who are being persecuted at this time for their faith. Philippi is a city in which he was thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And that persecution has continued for the believers that remained in the city. He is writing from a prison cell. There's a chance that his imprisonment was going to lead to his death. And yet he writes about the peace of God as if it's a real experience that he had in his life. He reads, like, he reads like peace is possible in his life. I want to ask yourself, ask yourself this question. In the middle of this anxious world, is peace possible? Even in the middle of your own most difficult moments, is peace truly possible? As a parent, as a spouse, as a leader, is peace possible? When you're not sure how you're going to pay the rent, is peace possible? Even as you walk into a new job or a new season in your life, is it possible? Paul writes like peace is a reality that God invites us into. And I don't know about you, but me personally, I could use a lot more of God's peace in my life. But if we are going to experience peace, we have to practice peace. Peace. I want you to hear me very closely. If there was going to be a sermon title of this sermon day, it would be called this, Peace Takes Practice. You see, this passage in Philippians, it starts off a little bit different because it starts with a couple of verses that doesn't seem to connect to the rest. Paul begins in verses 2 and 3 encouraging two women in the Philippian church who had been in some kind of conflict to come together in unity. And see, unity is a major theme in this letter. I, and I do think at some level it speaks to the fact that peace is not possible in our lives as individuals if we are not living at peace with each other. And there's something to be said there. 
We must be at peace with each other. But then it continues in verse 4. Philippians 4, 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now you have to remember where Paul is in this moment. Paul is writing this letter from a prison cell. He's writing to people that are being persecuted. And yet in the middle of all of that, he calls them to do what? To rejoice. Because if we're going to experience peace, church family, we have to learn to number one, rejoice in the Lord. And I believe that right here in this passage, the key words are in the Lord. Let's not miss that today because if attempts to rejoice are in anything but Jesus, our peace will always be subject to the ever-shifting realities of those. You see, things change so fast. And I think that we as Oklahomans understand that more than anything with the weather that we have here in Oklahoma. I thought it was amazing in the 830 experience. I'm talking about this with Oklahoma weather. It was sunny when we started, and then I came out, and it's like dark and light, and we had no idea it was supposed to rain today. It's just one of those things that we deal with in Oklahoma. It's one day, you know, and everywhere else in the, in the world, you can start with a light jacket, maybe end up in a T-shirt. Here, you can start, it's, it's completely opposite. You can have a parka, and then at the end of the day, you're in your swimsuit in a storm shelter at the bottom, and you got, you know, sirens going on. It's just the way we work here in Oklahoma. That's the way the weather is. For instance, I want to tell you this. This week, I wore so many different things. There was one day, typical, you know, shorts, T-shirt, whatever. One day, I wore a hoodie and sweats. It was so chilly outside. You just never know what's going to happen, and it's because... The weather changes so quickly around here, and things change so fast. You see, our life can seem and feel like a lot of times like Oklahoma weather, where one minute we have the reason to rejoice, and the next minute we have reason to despair. One minute we're on the mountaintop, and the next minute we're literally in the valley. So when our ability to rejoice is subject to the conditions of our life, our peace will be here one minute, and it will be gone the next Life can literally change so quickly. Have you ever been there where everything's going good and then all of a sudden something happens and it changes just like that? But let me tell you something. Scripture says that our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when our rejoicing is centered on him, then peace can be our reality even in the most difficult seasons of our life. It is the steadiness of our God that makes it possible to rejoice always. Theologian N.T. Wright suggests that the word rejoice could be translated as celebrate. I think this is very interesting. And that it's not just a personal call to celebration, but a call to public celebration. In a world where Romans threw parties to celebrate their gods, Paul thought, how much more do we have reason to celebrate? I don't know about you, but there's reasons in my life and things that happen in my life where, being very honest with you, it's just hard to celebrate. It's hard to rejoice in the Lord. There's been many times where I felt bad because I know, I know what the word says, and I know that I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of my circumstance, but I don't have the will to look past my circumstance because of the craziness that is going on in my life at that moment. Which you know, I, I think it stems from a wrong understanding of this verse. What if rejoicing in the Lord wasn't an inner work of the will? What if it was a practice best experience in community with others? 
What if we could train our soul to rejoice? Even when things are bad, by taking part in celebrating with God's people. Like, what if our times of celebration as a church family were invitations for you not to be fake and pretend that everything in your life is great, but opportunities for you to practice your way into peace with God? You see, worship isn't just something that we do when we, to make us feel good and when we feel good. Worship can be a way in which we combat the anxieties of our world. Why do we throw parties like what we're going to have on Friday night with summer nights? Or why do we want you to stay and eat food and hang out and play cornhole and hang out as a family? Because sometimes a good party and a good celebration is actually just good for your soul. What if small group pool parties and family cookouts were a lot more spiritual than we actually think that they are? What if rejoicing in the Lord wasn't something that you had to feel like doing, but it was something you could practice your way into? It's not being fake. It's not pretending that everything is okay. We all need space and people with which we can be honest and vulnerable with. But if we're going to experience the peace of God, we also need space where we can say, Lord, I don't care how I feel. I don't care that my circumstances are not what I wish that they would be, but I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to choose to celebrate. I'm going to practice my way into peace. We have to rejoice in the Lord. Going to the next verse in Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. That's impossible, right? Do not be anxious about anything. I feel like at some level there can be reasons to be anxious, honestly, just about anything if we think about it. Can you imagine the Philippian people (laughs) reading this from Paul and what their thoughts must have been in that moment? It's like, Paul, you're in prison and may die. We're a little bit concerned about that. Plus, you're facing, and we're facing persecution ourselves. At any minute, we could end up in the same spot that you are, and yet, you do not want us to be anxious about anything. Man, Paul, you are crazy. What are you thinking? But then he continues in this verse. It says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, church, if we're going to experience peace, we have to, number two today, if you're writing this down, pray about everything. I want to be clear, this is not a call to ignore your emotions. Paul says to be anxious about nothing, but you see, in chapter two, we see that he was, in fact, anxious about something in his life. There was somebody in chapter 2 named Epaphroditus who was sent by the Philippian church to bring Paul a gift and support him in prison. Somewhere along the way, Epaphroditus got sick and almost died. When he got better, Paul wrote in this letter in Philippians 2, and he wrote this. He said, therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, talking about Epaphroditus, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and that I may have less anxiety. You see, Paul's call to be anxious, Paul's call was not to be anxious, but instead to pray. That was the whole thing. Have you ever met somebody in your life who actually prays about everything? I want you to think about this. Think about those people that you know that are close to you. I had somebody in my family that, that was just that way. My grandmother, Lita, she 
was a prayer warrior in every sense of the word. But I'm telling you, she, she would pray for some of the craziest things. God, give us good weather for the family picnic tomorrow. God, let this little bit of gas in my gas tank get me to work. I would hear her say that. God, give us traveling mercies. How many of you ever said that? What is traveling mercies? Can anybody help me with that? What is traveling? I've never heard of it before, but it's something that always happened. My grandma, every time, every time she would pray over things. Can I be honest with you? It's just sharing a little bit. Those kind of, sometimes it would, it would almost get to me, almost kind of annoy me. It's like you're all the time. I hear it all the time. But you know what I've come to realize in my life? Those people who do that and pray the most are the ones who have the most peace. Because if they can trust God with those trivial matters, how much more are they able to trust God with the big things in their life? You see, they've been practicing peace every moment of every day. So when those bigger things come, they're ready. That's why they always have peace. So here's what I want to challenge you with today. Go ahead. Pray about everything. If you're feeling anxious about the weather, pray about it. If you're nervous about driving to work, pray about it. If you really want a monster drink and are afraid that on cue might be out today, pray about it. Because then when the big things come, prayer won't be your last resort. It will be your natural response to what is happening. You know, I also love that Paul tells us to present our request to God with thanksgiving. Usually, when you ask for something, you wait to say thank you until after you've received it. So when we are called to present our request to God with thanksgiving, it tells me that we are to thank God regardless of the outcome. Because listen to me very close. The state of my soul should not be dependent on the result of my prayer. I'm going to say that one more time. The state of my soul should not be dependent on the result of my prayers. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Bible story that many of us heard growing up. Three Hebrew boys standing in front of a fiery furnace because they would not bow before the idol. And they got to this point in life, but I want you to hear their response in this moment from Daniel 3, verse 17, they said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They're about to be thrown in a fire. Standing there, who knows? It said it was so hot that it killed the people that were standing next to it. And yet, look at how much peace these men had. Which tells me this, that peace is the freedom to thank God even when he doesn't answer your prayers like you want him to. Understand that the peace that God invites us into is not a peace that is absent of anxiety or fear. Some of you are waiting around for your anxiety and your fear to just disappear. And let me tell you, there's a good chance you may be waiting around for a long time. Maybe some of you are waiting to make a decision until you have peace about it. And that is perfectly fine as long as the peace you're waiting for is actually the peace of God. 
Sometimes we'll sit around and wait for our fears to be gone. But if the thing that God is calling you to doesn't scare you at least a little bit, I wonder if God is actually calling you to that thing at all. You see, Paul says God's peace transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense. It's a peace that says, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. I'm not sure if this step of faith is going to result in success or failure. I'm not sure what the results of this decision are going to be. And yet I can't explain the peace that I have in my soul. I can't explain it. And the more that you pray, the more that you make your request known to God, the more you are practicing your way to peace. We have to pray about everything. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, it had been very easy for Paul to be anxious as he focused on his imprisonment and possible death. It would have been easy for the Philippians to be anxious as they focused on their suffering and their persecution. But Paul's encouragement was to let their focus be on the right things. So lastly today, if we want to experience peace in our life, we have to, number three, focus on the right things focus on the right things. If you look at the list that Paul gives, doesn't it feel like the opposite of what our world would have focused on? Listen to this. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, these are things you don't see on the news. These aren't the videos that get millions and millions of hits on YouTube and on social media. So often our focus is on the things that are wrong with the world and we completely miss the things that God is making right. So I want you to ask yourself a question today. Do you personally struggle with what your focus is on? You see, personally in my, in my life, there's been a lot of things that I've had to shift my mindsets and change things. For instance, I, I found myself a lot of times I'll be watching news and, and it can change your mindset on a lot of things. I've had to refocus into where I'm not watching news. I'm not, and it's not one of those things that I, I'm trying to make things disappear. It just changes my mindset. So I'm trying to focus on what God will want me to focus on. If you are not careful, your focus can turn to all of the things that are wrong with you and that are wrong with the world around you. If you're not careful, you can fall into a cycle of negativity and cynicism, which then can make you feel anxious and powerless because all of the things about yourself and the world, they need to get better. This has happened a lot lately in our world. We've discussed a lot as a staff with Pastor Adam, a lot of high-profile Christian leaders that have done some really, really ugly things that have hurt a lot of people and disqualified them from leadership. And the thing that really, really hurts is the division that I've seen towards people from fellow believers and the ugliness that is often posted towards other people, social media, elsewhere. It's so frustrating, church. However, it all stems from being so focused on the wrong things. 
I can't help but wonder if some of you today are so anxious all the time because you literally have an anxious timeline. Or any time that something bad happens in the world, you do a 10-hour deep dive into every detail and watch every video angle that you can find on it. You see, there's a lot of things that are wrong with our world. And listen to me, I'm not suggesting that we ignore those things. In fact, there's a lot of things like poverty, injustices, and the ever-increasing number of orphans in our world that deserve attention as we seek to make this world more like heaven. But sometimes I think we just need to pause and reflect on just how good our God is and how good we have it. What if we decided to turn off the news? What if you deleted all your social media apps from your phone? How would that change your life? What if you went on a walk with your family and and just enjoyed the blessings that God has given you? Maybe it's time to go back through some of the prayer journals or some of the things that you've been through and see how good God has been. Maybe it's just time to go out with some friends and enjoy the community that God has surrounded you with. Maybe you need to finally go on that vacation that you've been putting off for so long. There's a lot of good things in our lives and in the world worth worth focusing on today. And it's not that we ignore the bad things to create some false sense of positivity, no. But that we understand that peace takes practice. Sometimes that practice is teaching ourselves literally just to focus on the right things. What are you focusing on today? Philippians 4 verse 9 says this, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. You see, I told you at the very beginning of this today, peace takes practice. And as you practice peace, here's the result. The end of the scripture says, And the God of peace will be with you. For a long time now, our world has been searching for an answer for the growing problem of anxiety. We hear it everywhere we go. Did you know that Coca-Cola was the first thing sold as a remedy for anxiety disorders? You heard me correctly, Coca-Cola. The sugary caffeinated drink, it'll help you feel less anxious, I promise. Crazy. We've tried rests. We've tried retreats, bigger vacations, better eating habits. We've read self-help books and went to positive thinking conferences. And all of these things can be so helpful and move us towards greater health. But when it comes down to it, where does a peace that transcends all understanding come from? It comes from the God of peace. So I'm begging you today, get to know him. And when you get to know him and when you get closer to him, you will find his peace. Can we pray today? Father, we thank you that you are the God of peace. And Lord, today I know the struggle for so many is real. God, we look at all of the things around us and we look at all of the things that are happening in our world and it's hard a lot of times not to be overwhelmed and not to be overcome So, Father, we just pray that you would help us shift our focus upon the right things. And, God, you would help us realize how good of a God you are. You are such a good, good God. 
church with your heads bowed and your eyes closed in this moment I just I honestly I just kind of want to do a reflection kind of where you're at in this journey of life are are you struggling with anxiety are there things that you're struggling with in your focus where you need to refocus your life I just want to take just a moment just to pray for anyone in this room that is struggling with anxiety and struggling with focus in your life. If that is you in this room, if it's anybody, would you just lift your hand? I just want to take a moment and pray for you. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. God, I pray for every person right now in this room. Lord, that is just struggling. God, you see our hearts, and Lord, you know you know the things that we struggle with. And Father, I pray that your peace, <laughs> your peace that is greater than anything that we are going through, God, that you would help us to realize you are there. You are in control. You and you alone. Father, I pray for every person that's just trying to to focus their, their minds and their hearts on the right things. God, it's so easy to get distracted. So, Father, bring our focus into the things that you love. Church family, you may be here today and say, Josh, you know, I, I hear everything that you're saying, but I've not said yes to Jesus, and today I want to make this decision to follow after Christ. Or you may be here today and say, you know what? I, I'm so far away from God and I need to know him today. If that is you in this room, let me, let me pray for you. It's the greatest decision that you would ever make. If that is you in this room, would you just lift your hand? Anyone in this room? Church family, would you pray this after me? Say, Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.